welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. to be back uh, preaching for you guys again. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I just had such a good time last week preaching and just sharing the Word of God. Still a little dry cough, so thank you for your prayers and just supporting me last week and through the week and, and this morning. Um, just to remind you guys, we're in Advent, and Advent just means we're in a season of expectation. We're in a season that something new is about to break out. And maybe, I don't know what you guys walked in here with today or what season you guys are in. Maybe you're in a season of loneliness. Maybe you're in a season of financial stress or worry or, I don't know, relational issues or issues at work. So what I want to, what I want to do for you this morning, I was praying and asking what, how I could start a service off. And I wanted to just pray the word, or I just wanted to read the word of God over you guys. And this is the first couple verses in... Um, Yeah, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals you of all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with a steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with the good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to bless you guys with that. Um, what I shared last week, it was were in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says that, Behold, a son will be born, and they shall call him Emmanuel. We sang about it earlier. And what Emmanuel means is God with us. And if God is with us, he is working everything out for your good. If God is with us, he is faithful to bring healing. If God is with us, a new season of joy and peace and hope and love is about to break through. So anticipate that God is a God who redeems. And so if you're new here today, my name is Daniel I'm one of the leaders here at Trinity Life. Um, we've been going through this series on spiritual warfare. We've talked about things like uprising destiny, uprising unity, uprising intimacy. Last week I preached on uprising strength, and today I'll be preaching on uprising boldness. And then Mike will close out next week on uprising love. A few, like two years ago, uh, like I was pretty new to Trinity Life, and we just finished packing up the trailer. And we're about to leave, and I'm, so one car's ahead of me, and I'm in the car behind it. And this, and we're, so we're waiting to leave, to go out into the street. And I can, I noticed that the guy in front of me, he's out too far. And I can tell he's sort of panicking a little bit, and he starts to reverse. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to back into my car, there's no way he's going to hit me. And so he starts backing up, and he doesn't stop. And so I start honking my horn, and he actually hits me. And the thing is, he doesn't get out of his car. He sits there and he looks in his rearview mirror to see if, like, I noticed. 
And I'm like, well, what just happened? Like, why isn't this guy getting out of his car? And so I get out in gentleness and kindness. And I was like, you know, like, you got to step out. Like, you just hit me, right? And so he gets out. And he's like, no, like, not, like literally, he's like, no, like, nothing happened. Like, we're good. And I'm like, no, like, look at the front of my car. So I, like, pull him. Like, I didn't actually pull him. But I'm like, hey, like, you know, come, come look at my car. And, and this is a Mazda CX-5. And this was, like, a new car for me. And so I was like... Yeah, I was really bothered. And so I said, look, there's like, the front is all busted up. Um, there's scratches. He literally looks at it and says, no, like, there's nothing there. Like, he literally says that. And I'm like, there's scratches. Like, my whole front is busted up. And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not letting you leave. Like, I need your insurance. I need your driver's license. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he tries to get back in his car. And I don't know if, if Gable is here, Gable and Christina, but Gable, who, like, I just met, uh, in that season when I was new, he gets in front of the guy's car and just stands there. So the, guy, so the guy couldn't leave. And like Gable is just like texting on his phone. He's just casually standing there. He's like, this guy's not leaving. And so like I, if you're here or if you're listening, Gable, like I, I appreciate that. That meant so much to me. You had, you had my back. <clears throat> and so finally, this guy's like, okay, I'll give you my, my license. I'll give you my, I'll give you my uh, registration. And so I actually take a picture of it. And I'm like... Yeah, I'm pretty upset, but I'm, like, new to Trinity Life. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Something inside of me is like, you know, Daniel, just, just do it. You know, just do it. And I'm, I'm, like, trying to hold back. Um, yeah, I'm trying to hold back myself. Like, I was pretty flustered. And for a lot of us, even though the, the damage of the enemy, like the lies and the temptation and the affliction and the sin is so evident, we act like nothing's there. We lack like no spiritual warfare. But scripture tells us that the enemy, the enemy is a deceiver. The enemy is a liar, a killer, a thief. Someone who is wily and schemes. Someone who is like a roaring lion for someone to devour. He is a ruler. He is powerful. He has authority. But what I want to show you guys today is that when we put on the spiritual armor of God... The enemy trembles and is powerless against the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. The same spirit that Jesus used to cast out a legion of demons lives in us. The same spirit that resurrected Jesus and defeated death lives in us. The same spirit that Jesus used to resist the enemy in the wilderness lives in us. And the same spirit that defeated Satan on the cross lives in us. And so this is our bottom line for today. Our boldness and victory does not lie in what we do, but what Christ has done. Our boldness and victory does not lie in what we do, but what Christ has done. And so just to recap, maybe 30 seconds on what we've talked about so far. Apostle Paul in the first three chapters talks about God's faithfulness, his goodness, that he chose us, that he gives us every spiritual blessing, that he loves us, that he forgives us, that he sends his son Jesus to die for us. And then in chapter 4, 5, and 6, he talks about what we do in response to that. He tells the church to walk in unity. He tells masters and slaves to honor each other. He talks to wives and husbands, and he tells them to both love and serve each other like Jesus. And then in chapter 6, Paul says, when you start living a life hearing God, trusting God, obeying God, you will be a primary target for the enemy. And so here is the spiritual armor that we need in order to stand boldly, which brings us to verse 16. 
In all circumstances, Paul says, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And so when we read this passage, we think faith, here is, uh, faith mentioned here is a faith that comes from ourselves. Christian of, Christians often think that in order for us to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, we need to have more faith. We need to trust God more. And that's a part of it, but that would be an inaccurate reading of this verse. Remember what Paul has just talked about so far. He doesn't say, finally, be strong in yourself and in the strength of your might, therefore putting on the whole armor of yourself. But he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his strength of his might, therefore putting on the whole armor of God. The belt of truth is the belt of truth of God. The righteousness is the righteousness of God. The gospel of peace is the gospel peace of God. And so the shield of faith, faith and standing boldly doesn't come from our faithfulness to God, but God's faithfulness to us. So it's not our power, but his power. It's not our strength, but his strength. It's not our boldness, but it's God's boldness. And our faith wavers and goes through all kinds of different seasons, ups and downs, but there is confidence and an unshakable faith that we can have in God and in his character. He is the same loving God, the kind God, a gracious God, yesterday, today, and for all eternity. In addition to God's faithfulness, Paul is trying to show us that there is strength and boldness in unity. When, we, uh, when, Romans, uh, when Roman soldiers back in the day, when they stood together, they stood with their shields close, very tightly, almost locking into each other. And this would help provide cover from flaming darts of the enemy. And so as one unit, we move towards proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. As one unit, we move towards being light in a dark world. In one unit, we move towards fighting the enemy together. If we give any room for the enemy and succumb to bitterness or slander or unforgiveness or addiction, materialism, this will create a gap. And this is how division in the church happens. And this is what the enemy wants. He wants people saying, I don't want to commit to standing together. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to pursue holiness. I don't want to serve the church. I don't want to join a body life group. He wants people putting down their shields so that we can get hit with a, a volley of flaming darts. And then Paul brings us to verse 17. The first part says, and take the helmet of salvation. This salvation can only be found in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can have salvation except through me. Every other religion in some way or form says, you need to be a good person, and then maybe God will accept you. Or your good deeds need to outweigh your bad deeds. Or follow this religious checklist, and then maybe God will love you. But if you read through the Gospels, you'll see over and over and over again that the religious people or the Pharisees who were expert law keepers from morning till night, they would try to keep every single command of God. But Jesus knew their hearts and this is what he says to them. Matthew 23, 27 to 28 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones in all uncleanliness. So you have also outwardly appeared to be righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So Jesus says, even though you're obeying all of these commandments, you weren't obeying them because you love God, you were obeying them because you love yourself. You weren't obeying these because you want to make God look good, you're obeying them because you want to make yourself look good. You aren't obeying just to get God, but you're obeying because you want things from God. If you rely on your own salvation, this will make you prideful, this will harden your heart, and this will be a very unstable foundation. If your salvation is in your striving and in your doing, you'll believe the flaming darts of the enemy. You'll believe the lie that God can't love you because you've sinned. You'll believe the lie that God's love is conditional. You'll believe the lie that God can't forgive you. You'll always feel, you're like, you'll always feel like you're not good enough. And you'll always feel burdened with guilt, guilt and shame. Religion says your goodness, but Jesus says my goodness. Religion says your righteousness, but Jesus says my righteousness. Religion says do, but Jesus says done. When we stand in the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ, this will give us humility, this will give us confidence, and this will give us the boldness to stand firm in spiritual war that we are in. And the latter part of, of 17b says this, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. <clears throat> when God speaks, it's an agent of power, it's an agent that sustains, it's an agent that creates. When we look at Genesis chapter 1, we see the power of the word of God. God says, let there be light. And there is light. He says, let there be an expanse. And now we have morning and evening. He says, let the waters under heaven be gathered under one place and let the dry land appear. And now we have the earth and all the seas. And then God gets to creating us. He says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Now humans are created. Then we move to the New Testament where John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. In him was life. And so if the Word of God created us, it only makes sense that the Word of God sustains us. The only two things that will last for all eternity are God and God's people. In other words, if you don't pick up the Bible every single day and feed your soul it, your soul will shrivel. The number one sanctifying agent and, the one, and one of the most powerful weapons we have as Christ followers to defend against the enemy and the lies is the living, powerful, true, good, and transformative word of God. This is why we preach the word of God every single week. This is why we sing the word of God every single week. This is why we pray the word of God every single week. It isn't just ink on a paper. It's making you more holy. It isn't just words. It's making you more like Jesus. It isn't just like a book. It's living and it's active and it's breathing. 
When Jesus Christ was alive, he lived and breathed the word of God. When he was tempted in the wilderness, he uses the word of God to resist the enemy. On the Sermon on the Mount, he preaches from scripture. When he talks about eternal life, he quotes the Ten Commandments. When Jesus teaches in the temple, he's teaching in the temple, uh, when he's teaching in the temple, he quotes Isaiah. If Jesus, who was perfect and, and he needed the word of God to sustain him, how much more we who are imperfect need the word of God to sustain us? I uh, have a, I think this is like a meme. Man literally sitting three feet away from his Bible asked God to speak to him. <laughs> I know it's, it's comical, but for, for most of us, this is our reality. We say things like, I just don't feel God's presence. I don't feel like God is speaking to me or speaking to me. I feel distant from God. I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I just feel overwhelmed by the temptation and the lies of the enemy. When the Bible is a guaranteed encounter with the living God, and this is one of our best weapons we have in fighting off the enemy. Um, we have probably a lot of Christians here, and, and for, for myself, I don't want to ever assume that as Christians, like we, we just know how to read the Bible. And so I just want to give sort of a pastoring moment, and uh, this is how I read my Bible. You don't have to follow this exact thing, but hopefully this will, this will help you and encourage you to go deeper into prayer and into the Word. Uh, usually what I do is we live such busy lives, and so I, I first just sit. I sit in silence for about five minutes. This is to, to prepare my heart, uh, to get ready for what God is going to say to me. And then I'll, I'll pray affirmations. I'll say, God, this is your living word. God, this is victory. God, your word is going to transform me. God, you are going to speak to me. And then as I read small verses, uh, small paragraph usually, I'll look for phrases or words in there. And then at the end, I'll spend time praying and just meditating uh, on, on the word of God and, and what, what he's spoken to me in, in those times. And so hopefully that, you don't have to follow that, that exact same structure, um, but this is something that, that you guys can do. So I just encourage you guys, um, yeah. So prayer turns information of scripture into heart transformation. So meditating and wrestling and praying the word of God after you read is so crucial. And this actually takes time and being intentional and, and creating space in your day and so instead of asking yourselves, like, am I, too, am I too busy to be reading the Word of God? Ask yourselves honestly, like, is this a priority? And then let all the knots inside your heart start to come undone. And then Paul moves on in verse 18a. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So Paul says, pick up the Word of God. And then he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is another way, uh, this is another one of the greatest weapons we have against the enemy, but one of the least used weapons by Christians. What does it mean to pray at all times? He even says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. When we first read this, it sounds like we should be praying nonstop, but what he is actually saying is that we should be praying in constant prayer that our prayers should be reoccurring in all types of ways. We need individual prayer. We need group prayer. We need kneeling prayer. We need silent prayer. We need shouting prayer. 
We need walking prayer. Paul is saying just pray and be consistent in that. Be diligent and be relentless. The victory of God is being accomplished now by the prayers of the saints through the power of the Spirit, but will, all, but will also usher in the victory of God when Christ returns. In other words, when we pray your kingdom come and your will be done, God is working out his good and perfect will in that. In Revelation 8, it says that our prayers are, are a pleasing aroma to God and that the angels take our prayers, put them in this golden cup, mix it up with fire, and at the end of days, they'll pour it over the earth. The billions and billions and billions of prayers, the angels will pour over the earth, and this will usher in the victory of God. And there'll be thunder, there'll be earthquake. Your prayers are eternally significant. Whether it be a five-second prayer, a 10-minute prayer, a 30-minute prayer, a 60-minute prayer, God in his provision, God in his goodness, God in his faithfulness, is working out those prayers in a trillion different ways for our good and his glory. Uh, I'm going to share a couple, a couple stories. Um, I always tell people that, like, I'm so thankful to be alive. I'm so thankful that, like, I'm not in jail. If you've been here long enough, I've shared tons of, of, of my past. And, and so one story, one time... Um, me and my friends just got outside of the club, and, and we said, let's go eat. And so we said, let's go eat at Full Train. So half of them went downtown to a Full Train there, and, and me and a couple other guys went to a Full Train uptown. And we had a good time. We ate, and, and it, was, it was good. But my other friends downtown got into a fight with another, another gang, and they got stabbed, and they got beaten with baseball bats. Two of my friends almost died. Uh, another time... I remember I, I was growing marijuana in, in this apartment building. Are they, is this recorded? Is this online? <laughs> just kidding, I'm kidding. We just edit these parts out. Uh, one, uh, one time I, actually a couple times through my, my past, not now by the way, just, just for note. <laughs> I used to grow marijuana and, and so I, I, I had about 100 plants inside of an apartment building. And so one night, I, I wasn't living there. I just came there to like water it, just like any other plant. Water it, make sure there's, there's sunlight coming in, make sure the air, there's fans going and all that stuff. And so one night I get there, go upstairs, try to put in my key, and it doesn't work, and the door's locked. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, cops are downstairs. Like, I'm going to jail. Like, good life. And I'm like stressed. I'm worried. I'm like regretting all this. I'm getting closer to God. I'm like, God, get me. Like, get me out of this, you know? Get downstairs, get in my car, and I'm like, okay, nothing. So I drive off, and I see this car behind me, this black car falling behind me, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, why would they wait until I leave to arrest me? They pull me over, no lights, no sirens, which was sort of awkward, and somebody knocks on my door, and he says, hey, do you know what you're doing back there? And I look him right in the eye and say, I have no clue what you're talking about. I just flat out denied everything. And he says, we don't want you to ever come back, and if you don't come back, we're not going to press charges. And he lets me go. Um, another time, yeah, so I'll share those two stories for now. <laughs> Just for now. Um, <laughs> and so for the first 24 years of my life, like I wasn't a, wasn't a Christian. I grew, up in the, I grew up in a Christian home. 
Uh, my dad was a pastor, and I, I was living in sin, um, but I, I got saved seven years ago. And, and for me, um, I always ask myself, like, like, how am I alive? Like, how am I breathing? How am I not in jail? A lot of my friends are in jail for, for murder, for robbery, for tons and tons and tons of stuff. And, and I remember having a conversation with one of my friends, and he says, hey, do you know this guy named Charles? And I was like, yeah, I know Charles. Like, in high school, I used to bully him, like, pretty badly. And he says, well, we were at a, uh, we were at a, um, we were at church one time together in a small group, and the small, the small group facilitator asked, hey, is there anyone that, that you guys want to pray for? And Charles, the guy, his last memory is me bullying him and, like, mistreating him and beating him up and calling him names. He says, yeah, I know this guy, Daniel. We used to go to high school together. Like, can we pray for him? So all through my days as, as an unbeliever, people were praying for me. My parents were praying for me. My brothers were praying for me. Like, people I didn't even, I, I barely knew have prayed for me before. And so to the moving people that live in Moss Park in St. Jamestown, your prayers every single week are protecting those areas and the people from the attacks of the enemy. Prayer team at Trinity Life, your prayers for our church is ushering in the kingdom of God. Parents who pray for your children, as hopeless as it seems sometimes, God will honor your faithfulness. Pastors, BLG leaders, ministry leaders, Christian, when you pray, people are getting saved. Lives are being transformed, and the gates of hell and the enemy are made powerless. And then Paul says in, in, in verse 18, be the latter part, he says, to that end, so with prayer, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So Paul encourages that we should be in constant prayer or persevering prayer. And this is the way that we stand alert. I don't know if you guys know who Elon Musk is. Um, he's somebody, people would say he's a genius. Some people say he's like a revolutionary. He's, he's changing technology. He's changing the way the world thinks about certain things. And these are just some things that he's invented. Uh, this is the Hyperloop. Um, they're, they're testing this out, but in theory, this would be able to basically take you from Toronto to New York in like 30 minutes. So you could be working here in Toronto, or you, and then you could be, or you could be living in Toronto, and you could be working in like Detroit or New York or Vancouver, and it would take you there like really, really fast. Uh, this is a spaceship, uh, SpaceX, a program that he wanted to launch a, a, a spaceship into outer space and then have it land back with its resources successfully. And he did this. He did this. Third thing he invented, just for fun, I don't know why, maybe because he has a lot of money, but he invented like this company called The Boring Company as a joke, and he, he made uh, 50 or 30,000 flamethrowers, and they all sold out. Every single one of them sold out. My favorite thing that he invented was the Tesla. This is a, this is a roadster. Yeah, one day. <laughs> one day. And, and so that's a Tesla roadster. It's, it runs on electricity. And Tesla, they have all these charging stations um, all over the city in, in different, in some places underground, some places um, yeah, just all over the city, there's, there's charging stations where you can go, and when your car runs out of, uh, out of energy, you can go and refuel it. And so what Apostle Paul is saying is that 
We need to be in constant prayer, filling ourselves up with the goodness, the power, and the boldness and reliance of God. Most of us are on empty, and this is opening a door for the enemy to come in and cause all sorts of problems. For you guys, what are you guys putting on besides prayer? What is distracting you from spending intimate fellowship with God? Most of us, if we could admit, our prayer life isn't the greatest. In fact, most of us, our prayer lives sort of catch fire when we need something from God. Our prayers are mostly filled with, God, give me this. God, I need that. We often go to him not just to get God, but to get things from him. Does this sound familiar to you guys? But if you want to be bold and if you want to stand firm in the faith and in the mighty strength of the Lord, having a robust and constant prayer life is going to be, essential, is going to be an essential weapon against the enemy. Because when we pray in Jesus' name, strongholds of addiction are broken. When we pray in Jesus' name, the enemy is made powerless. When we pray in Jesus' name, the strength and power of God fills us. When we pray in Jesus' name, people are brought from death to life. So Paul says, pray often, pray boldly against the en- and pray boldly against the enemy. And then he says, make supplication for all the saints. When we pray individually, that's, that's a good thing. There's power there. But when we pray in unity, that bonds us together in a deep, intimate way. When we pray in unity, this deepens our love for each other. When we pray in unity, this deepens our trust for each other. When we pray in unity, this protects each other against the flaming darts of the enemy. And then Paul goes on to verse 19 to say, And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the the mystery of the gospel. Paul, the church leader, says, Yeah, pray for me so that I can preach the gospel. And during the time, Apostle Paul, uh, uh, during the time of Apostle Paul, uh, there were many gods and, and many religions that you could follow. Like it was a pagan society. And so when Paul says, or when Paul brought the gospel of Jesus Christ, this was totally different from any other philosophy, any other school of thought, and any, any other religion at the time. So God in his providence reveals the mystery of the gospel through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, pray for me that I would preach the gospel boldly. And he's setting setting an example for our church, Trinity Life. Your church leaders need prayer. They need encouragements. They need to be cared for. A few weeks ago when Cecile led our church in praying for our leaders, we were talking about about it in our staff meeting. It was just so refreshing. Refreshing. It was so good to see the body of believers rally around our leader, uh, body of believers rally around our leaders and just pray and care and encourage for them, encourage them. And this is on top of all their own issues that they have and burdens that they're carrying. Leaders struggle with depression, they struggle with loneliness, they struggle with anxiety and insecurities. And so we need to be a unified church who will support them, love them, and encourage them. When you guys think of discipleship or mentorship, who has poured into your life in that way? What name pops up into your mind? 
Maybe they're sitting in this room. Maybe it's been a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a sister or a brother or a family member. Maybe it's someone outside of this church that has discipled or mentored you like early in your faith. Who is that person? Who comes to mind? So I want to just encourage you guys to reach out to them and tell them that you're thankful. This will mean so much to them that people actually care and that the work that they are doing is appreciated. So just like Apostle Paul, as a leader of the church, needs prayer and support, he's setting, he's setting an example for Trinity life. So do the same things for your church leaders because they love you. They love Jesus and they want to see the gospel change people's lives. And then Paul moves on to verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What are you a chain to instead of Christ? In other words, is there something in the deepest part of your heart where you are saying that if I just have this in my life, I'll be worth something. My life will be meaningful. My life will be worth living. We might not be saying it out loud, but in the deepest part of our hearts, that's what we're longing for. Are you chained to approval? Are you chained to materialism? Are you chained to success or career or beauty or relationship or love? All of these things, no matter how much you have of it, will never be able to fulfill you. And some of you guys already know that. Some of you guys are here today because the world just keeps disappointing and your heart longs for something more. The best relationships, the most beautiful people in the world, the most successful, the people with the biggest houses, the nicest cars, the most money, all the materialism, all feel a sense of emptiness and dissatisfaction. C.S. Lewis says this, everything that is not eternal is eternally out of date. Everything that is not eternal is eternally out of date. So all this stuff that we have on earth is fleeting. It will not last. Our hearts were created to love and worship God. And if you worship or put anything else in the center of our hearts, it will shrivel our souls. When we are changed to the things of this world, we will feel empty and dissatisfied. But ironically, when we're chained to Christ... We will be content and we will be filled. For, for some of you guys, if, if you're not a Christian, this is what's being offered you today. This is what's being offered to you today. Jesus looks at you with all your sins, all your brokenness, all your falling short, all your insecurities, and says, I love you. I'm here for you. And I will never let you go. And I love you so much that I'd be willing to leave heaven and die on a cross for your sins so that you could be adopted into a spiritual family of God that will last for all eternity. Jesus will turn your hopelessness into hope. He will turn your sadness into joy. He will turn your brokenness into something so beautiful. So put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior because he's the only one worthy of it. And I'll close with this. 
On the cross, Jesus didn't get a shield of faith. He got nails pierced in his hands and feet. Jesus cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he doesn't get the word of God. He gets silence. On the cross, Jesus didn't get prayed for. He got a crowd that mocked him. And just when the enemy thought he won, three days later, Jesus resurrects from the grave, defeating death, Satan, hell. And because of that victory, we can stand boldly. And so it's not our strength, but his strength. It's not our boldness, but his boldness. It's not our victory, but his victory. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is living and it's breathing. Thank you that it's active. Thank you that it's even in this moment softening our hardened hearts. God, we've come in here with so much brokenness and, and heaviness. But you are a God of healing. You are a God of reconciliation. You are a God of victory. And so my hope and prayer is that we would live in that confidently and we would live in that boldly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.